What Radio, the music you want. With your host, Steve Dan. I'm surprised you haven't heard about me. You know, I got a bad reputation. I, sometimes I just go nuts like now. <laughs> What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What Studios, and this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time, and if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you can have me play at your next event. Today on the program, Nitya Mylene Langstrom as it's Valentine's Day week. Uh, tomorrow's Valentine's Day and then Saturday I have another Valentine's party. We have on the program a new paradigm intimacy coach for men uh, pe and ed solutions program speaker writer dancer artist that's pretty much what i know about her right now but you get to listen to a little bit about her in the next few minutes this week's shows like i said it is valentine's day tomorrow night friday night i will be at my usual friday night spot and that's the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Video dance party, karaoke jam. You know it's going to be a love fest. So bring your significant other. And if you don't have one, then uh, we switch over to uh, Singles Awareness Day. Come on out. And I will play some love songs. And we'll play some games. And we'll have some fun. And uh, if there's somebody you have your eye on, hey, I'll be your wingman. I will... Uh, point you in the right direction point them in the right direction to get the connections that you want and if you want to be by yourself hey i'm okay with that too <laughs> so there's a lot to be said i'm not going to bother you if you don't want to be bothered but i'm happy to help in any way i can pursuit of happiness and all that jazz at the rab in conway arkansas full bar kitchen the pool tables they got the pool tournament giant jenga game checkers shuffleboard foosball darts all kinds of things to do while you're waiting to sing on stage video dance party karaoke jam yeah i said karaoke you're the stars of the show friday night at the rab conway arkansas 8 p.m until almost two in the am and then on saturday night that's uh, february 15th i will be at a new place a place i've never been before but i've heard so many good things it's los cabos mexican restaurant in morrillton arkansas kind of excited about that excited to be at los cabos uh there that's going to be from i think it's uh six to ten if i'm not mistaken or maybe five thirty to nine i know i probably should have looked that up but i didn't <laughs> just uh get over to my facebook page and you'll find out when i'm going to be there <laughs> and i'll let you know of course tomorrow uh a uh, little bit more <laughs> But uh, yeah, video dance party, karaoke jam, another love fest, another chance to come out with your significant other and play with us at Los Cabos Mexican Restaurant. That's 530 until 9 in the p.m. So be there. Be there. Los Cabos. Uh, and you you could be the star of the show. Great Mexican food. I've heard nothing but good things about them. They said it's a big place and just a lot of room to play and have fun. And we'll do some dancing. And uh, yeah, good times. Good times. All right, party people. Without further ado, let's, uh, let's head over to Australia for a little bit. Uh, Byron Bay, New South Wales, to be more precise. And let's uh, Skype uh, Nitya Mylin Langstrom. Skyping Nitya Mylin Langstrom now.
Hello, <laughs> Nitya Malin Langstrom. <laughs> is that right? Nitya Malin Langstrom. Yes, it's a, it's the root South Scandinavian um, mix with Indian actually in my name. So, bit well, of a mix. How are you doing? Super fantastic. It's Keys Dan with the What Makes You Famous podcast, and I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, I know you have so many different aspects of your being, and I've been watching some of your YouTube videos and checking you out on, on your Instagram, but give the people a little awesome. idea of who and, and what, how should I address you? First, uh, give your name and who you are, a little bio of who you are. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so my name is, um, my birth name is actually Malin, um, Malin Langstrom, and Nietzsche is a name that I got um, many, many years ago when I traveled to India um, and learned a lot of things, and I've kept that name, so it's a combination now, Nietzsche Malin. And um, yeah, look, I live in Australia these days since 25 years, although I, I grew up in, in Scandinavia. And um, I'm working these days as a sex and intimacy coach for men. And, um, yeah, I live in a very beautiful place um, near Byron Bay on Australia's east coast where we're just having floods at the moment after the big fires. So the weather has changed now, and that's really great. And, um, yeah, look about me. I've, you know, I've raised my three kids here, and I love being this part of the world. And I've always been interested in... Um, you know, alternative um, wisdom. And that started from a very young age. Like I mentioned, I went to India when I was 21. And uh, that's around that time that, that started the interest for me in um, um, meditation, uh, spirituality, in um, sacred sexuality, and uh, different ways that we can um, learn to grow ourselves in life, you know, and know ourselves better. And um, those influences, you know, have been with me my whole life and I've, you know, experimented um, by myself and with my partners in life. And it's just in the last, you know, half decade that I'm putting, um, for example, the sexual practices into my work. So it's been long coming. And, um, yeah, now I'm working mainly online with men um, around the world, helping them, helping them to... To move beyond the limiting effects of early ejaculation, especially PE, and uh, discover their natural and magic lovemaking abilities and how to truly please a woman in bed. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Yeah, Nitya Mylene, you've given me a lot to unpack here. First of all, you know, the current events, the news of the day, what's going on in your part of the of the world, the fires. How, how are you holding up with the fires? Well, we've been very lucky in my area. They did come fairly close, um, but we were not personally affected here, and, and they left without too much damage. And now we have lots of rains and floods, and I believe uh, most of Australia is starting to get rain now, so that's very, very welcome. So the, the, rain, the, the rain has taken care of the fire? It's completely under control now? Because I know that well, a look, lot of people... I don't actually know whether it's completely, oh. um, you know... Um, finished yet mm. and you know the heat can you know quickly dry things up again so but at this point it looks like you know um, mostly it's it's shifted now okay for this time yeah all right Nitya Malin so all right Scandinavia what part of Scandinavia what is Scandinavia I realize that it's in Europe somewhere uh, <laughs> yeah. you were born and raised um, so in this area north. Far north, really. Scandinavia is above, you know, Europe. 
and uh, uh, we're looking at Norway, um, Finland, Sweden, Denmark and Iceland really, um, part of Scandinavia and I'm from Sweden so I grew up in those very cold parts of the world um, many years ago. <laughs> Not and, that uh, many but years I ago. Yeah, We're not uh, that old. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, look, uh, <laughs> we're getting on, but, you know, feeling younger also <laughs> in some ways as I get older because I don't believe that aging needs to mean that we're kind of going to start to, I don't know, behave in a certain way or, you know, act our age or anything like that, especially not dress our age, you know. <laughs> I believe that youth is an internal state and that very much can reflect through the way we live and how we live our life. Oh, yeah. And, and you're helping people. Uh, you know, what started that? Because a, a, a lot of people, and, and I don't know if myself included, but sex is something that people don't like to talk about at least here in the united states i don't know how how it is in other parts of the world but it seems like you know sex can be a very taboo subject but everybody likes it everybody enjoys it and i'm being very uh, general because i know there's probably a few people that maybe do not enjoy it but maybe because they're not doing it the right way and hopefully that's something that you're helping to alleviate nita mylene uh, what uh, where did that start uh, where you wanted to take people on their on their journey it, was it something that you had an experience of your of your own and you said hey let me see if i can help other peoples to enjoy this better uh, how did it start for you yeah so it started yeah i had my first earliest experiences um uh, back in my early 20s you know after i've been to india i lived for a few years in italy in a in a spiritual commune and that's where i met are some people that I really resonated with and I met a, a lover who became very influential in my life for a few years and the things that I discovered during those years is really the foundation for the work that I've created today and at the time I wasn't really aware of that there was anything special um, but later on I realized that there's so much misinformation uh, in this world in regards to sexuality and that a lot of people are actually led astray by that misinformation and you know for some people it's working great but for a lot of people it's not and that's where I felt that I know that it, it doesn't have to be uh, this kind of unresolvable uh, issue but actually things that if we turn things around we can shift it and, and begin to have much more positive uh, experience of our sexuality but like you mentioned it's it's very much a taboo still or it's like um yeah it's people do talk about sex but it's very much in kind of cliche ways joking you know not really honest and open and i think that's really part of the reason why also things maybe haven't evolved collectively in regards to sexuality because people aren't talking enough about it the people who have struggles or challenges are not reaching out because, you know, especially for, for men perhaps, but also for women, you know, there's a lot of shame also around these things where we think we're not good enough or we should be different. We should, men have this big pressure on performing that, you know, the, the current mainstream information in regards to sex is really also, you know, making that worse the way I see it by really putting so much pressure on the man to perform um, and and it's not helping, you know, and, and that's where I felt 
I can't, I can't just watch this happen, you know. I just because I knew that I had some uh, insights and learnings that that could help. So that's where I started to begin to to create um, a program where I could help men and I trained as a as a life coach. So I I do a mixture of you know coaching modalities and alternative practices with my clients to help them to move forward and move beyond you know, their previous challenges in this area. Well, Nitya Mylin, in a primarily monogamous world that we live in, uh, you know, how do you feel about that where the partners have to be everything, everything sexually and intellectually and friendly? Uh, that person in front of you needs to be everything you need them to be. Uh, that Does that put a lot of pressure on people sexually I'm in particular and maybe in other aspects that you can expound on? Yeah, good question. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I think um, that that could, you know, definitely be part of of the problem for people that they, you know, we do live in this. Most people live in these nuclear situations where we kind of, you know, we, the focus is on the other partner, and if we don't get our needs met, yeah, then there's problems. So, you know, I think for for all of us um, to to expand and learn to take care of our own needs and and meet our needs um also you know through friends and through our own you know our own growth our own whatever you want to call it spiritual or other you know pathway to understand ourselves and to grow ourselves in this life is so important that we don't just project that on on the other person and make it their responsibility to fulfill our needs um, so yeah, that's definitely you know a part of the puzzle. And um, yeah, look, um, when it comes to sexuality, you know, um, someone was your question again. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the monogamy where you have that one partner that you put all the pressure on uh, to be you. You be the the my best friend. You be my lover. You be my confidant. The the person that I count on the most. I have no one else. I put all the pressure on you. And then, you know, possibly, hey, here's something else. I mean, if it's time to perform, if you have children and they're in the next room or you're waiting for them to go to sleep so you can do, uh, you know, the, the things that uh, that moms and dads do or, you know, uh, that couples do. Uh, and then the pressure is, hey, it's time. D let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, look, um. I think it's very much to do with the environment as in, you know, our energetic environment in our world. It's not conducive perhaps to to intimacy and, and, and the natural approach to sexuality, but we are so uh, busy. We are so, parents are so busy. Everybody's working and it's, uh, you know, our lives are, are primarily externally focused. And, and with that kind of pace of life, there's, we, we're kind of losing the space that we need to cultivate to have the, the ambience where, you know, attraction can happen and where sensuality and sexuality can, can flourish. So if you're having a very busy life and you're running all day, you're coming home exhausted and, you know, the kids are, are, don't want to go to sleep and, yeah, that's, that's not going to help, you know. So that's where you know, kind of our, our culture in, in a big way is, is not really supporting us to, to, 
you know, develop and explore our sexuality. So that's where we, you know, looking perhaps at, you know, a different approach to life. And, um, yeah, for example, I'm just thinking now when you say that, that, you know, that there's been coaches I know, I don't specifically work with women myself, but, you know, that, that women perhaps that, you know, that put a lot of, um, that are very, you know, high achievers, for instance, um, and, and put a lot of work in to be successful in the world, um, that, for instance, doesn't help the feminine energy to relax into into surrender and the ability to orgasm. And, and, and likewise for the man who is, you know, always sort of rushing and running, also losing touch with that ability to, uh, to be perceptive and feeling and be present with the woman. So... So, yeah, we, you know, in my work with men, that's why, you know, really I've, I'm using a very holistic approach where we approach the topic from many different angles because there's not just one or two or three things, you know. There's, it's really the way we live our lives that influences how, how we can be ready and open to, to explore in this area. So it's not just like you push a button and you go, yeah, now we're going to have mind-blowing orgasmic sex. After a long day of work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, never being a woman myself. Uh, wait, let me remember. No, I've never been a woman myself. Uh, having a woman's perspective on this is is very good for me and hopefully for many of my listeners that are out there. Uh, you're saying, yes, the, the woman who wants to uh, achieve out in the world doesn't feel like you know being a homemaker is, is the way to go. Uh, a lot more women are jo- joining the wor- workforce and have been for many, many years. Uh, and yes, you're trying to compete uh, for for your uh, for what might be primarily a man's world, and, and then you after struggling the whole day, you're expected to shed that and then become feminine. And this is you know for the men. I know there's there's other kinds of relationships, but the typical stereo, uh, the typical heterosexual relationship where the woman comes home from work after slaving all day and and pushing her way through the corporate world, and then comes home and you know tries to be more feminine and and more attractive for for the man. Is that something that she even wants to do? Does does she want to stay in that corporate mentality and and still be attracted? attractive to her her man or does she shed that and become Susie homemaker and you know i guess it, it depends on the relationship but what, what experiences have you had in this uh, uh nitya yeah look it's interesting and very big topic also you know yeah. i feel like perhaps what you you know what comes up for me here is the balance between the masculine and the feminine energies that we all have inside us, regardless of if we're in a female or male body. Mm. Um, so this is the yin and yang, you know, story of, you know, how we have uh, these opposing energies within us that are complementary, and we need both. Mm. So, for instance, you know, to have the attraction in a relationship, uh, we need to have a balance between the masculine and the feminine. And we will, um, for instance, you know, uh, like you'd say most women would be at the core feminine, but not all. Some would be more masculine, you know, and vice versa with men. And, and this actually applies also to, to other, you know, other genders. You know, there's still that, that balance between the masculine and feminine within us 
that's that's crucial to have the attraction. So if, for instance, a woman is is out there, you know, really, you know, working hard all day, she would primarily be in her masculine energy and that would then force her partner to go into his feminine energy or if that doesn't happen then they kind of they will lose a bit of that attraction so for that to happen the woman need to be able to at least in those situations in the bedroom relax into her feminine and the man to to be in his masculine so this is very delicate balance that that we can lose in in the kind in the way that we live our lives in in our society these days, and uh, there's a lot of talk about this now. It's become a very popular topic, I believe, the masculine and feminine balance. And uh, you know, it's not saying that because you're a woman, you have to be in your feminine all the time. We need both, you know. And this is where the way I work with the men in my uh, program is also that. Uh, to realize that they need the feminine as well. It's not just about being masculine in the bedroom. Actually, their feminine energy will also bring in like the sensitivity and the fluidity and the perception and the ability to, to slow down and be present. So it's kind of a dance between the two that's, that's really part of creating that magic, magic mix. Nitya, I realize that there has to be some kind of a of a of a give and pull, a yin and yang. Uh, you have to be more empathetic uh, for, for for a man. I mean, the only thing I've ever been is a man uh, to be more empathetic, and a heterosexual man for that matter uh, to be empathetic to the female. You have to try to feel what her needs are, and that's what I, I've tried. And and you're helping people, helping men primarily to do this uh, to get to get their to get their minds set to where they can, you know, be, be more receptive to to the, what the woman needs? Is that is that primarily one of the things that you're doing, or or, or is that one of the offers? Uh, it's a good question, you know, and that is often what comes up, one of the first things that come up for the men also in the inquiry stage. And the way I like to approach that is really to, first of all, turn it around towards themselves mm. because I realized for, for a lot of men, it, there's so much focus on pleasing the woman and what can I do to please the woman? How can I, you know, do the right way for her? And that can be a bit um, um, like something else needs to happen first. So if you're kind of not really at home in your own body because you're also living a very busy, externally focused life and you're kind of just wanting to do the right thing for the woman but you're not really at home in yourself first, then that's not necessarily going to work so well. So the way I work with the men is really um, to bring it back to themselves first. So that's where everything starts, really coming home to ourselves and connecting with ourselves deeply. Connecting intimately with ourselves. I think you're turning it around for me, Nitya Marlin. I I think, uh, well, I'm pretty good at at, uh, knowing myself. (laughs) I know what I like. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and and I I know that that men discover themselves and women discover themselves. Speaking of that, in Sweden, when you were growing up, uh, how was your family to you? Were they very open and receptive to, to teaching you? Uh, sex and about your body and and growing up was that something that was open in your family um i would say yes i was born in the late 60s in sweden which is a very um evolved country in those ways and uh, and in saying that it's not like there was anything that was excessively talked about not a word 
overt in any way. But you know, my mom was a school teacher, and I know that she provided me with the with the right books at the right time. She would kind of hand me something. Oh, look, I found this book. You know, so I did learn very early about you know our bodies and how things work. And it was a very kind of natural approach to the, to it, and and um, and just about that, yeah, pretty much, you know. And uh, so they were they were normal, I think, in that environment where I grew up in Sweden. And um, I do believe, yeah, definitely that you know that did have an influence in in my you know how I saw myself. That you know my body was natural, you know, nothing to be ashamed about. Sex is natural, and uh, and so yeah, I didn't, you know, I wasn't fed any of the sort of, you know, shame-based, guilt-ridden um, stuff that maybe others, you know, many other people have been you know, born into. So I do count myself lucky there. Very fortunate to have your, your your mother as a teacher who was able to give you the right information at the right time. As I know, it, yeah. at, you know, <laughs> at, at this age, uh, you know, at, at a, any certain age, she starts uh, giving you more information, a little bit more information, and this way hey, you grow into a person in the right time. Some some kids are are watching things and and reading things and looking at things online that that maybe their little minds are just not ready for, uh, and I'm. I'm glad that you know we i was born in the late 60s as well 1969 so you know my uh my mom you know my mom was my internet you know my mom was my information yeah. uh a giver uh, and, and then school as well so i didn't have the whole world at my fingertips where i can get the wrong kind of information a little too fast now there were a few movies that i saw a little too early i think for my for my thought but they, they did shaped me in one way or another but you you had a teacher a mother that was giving you that info at the right time so getting out of sweden i mean you had a a, a relatively normal childhood would you say and and then uh, in your 20s you went straight to india to find what uh yes yeah i went straight to india at 21 um i've had i had a few years of struggle um, where I was, you know, trying to find myself and, and um, you know, that sort of rite of passage maybe we go through in different ways. But for me, it was a few years of uh, not really finding my, my place in the world. And, um, again, actually, it was my mom who had, uh, doing her own research, come across um, uh, a Swedish doctor who had um, healed himself from some serious illness and, and created a... Um, a sort of a healing center uh, where he worked with therapists uh, from, you know, very um, experienced therapists. Some of them um, had been trained in the place that I ended up, where I ended up going to in India. And so that's where I got my first connections to India, hearing about this place, that maybe this was a place where I could, uh, um, you know, find what it was that I was looking for, which I wasn't clear what it was at the time. And uh, so I ended up leaving and going to India for six months for that first trip and, and went back for a few more uh, trips during the 1990s. And Let me hold you for a second. What, what kind yeah, of sure. uh, struggles were you having in Sweden? I mean, do you, if, you, if you don't want to expound everything, but what... Yeah, you no, know, look, that's fine. Yeah, what did you uh, want to be when having... you grew up or what was it that, that you were uh, struggling with? 
Um, yeah, look, I was, it, the symptoms were eating disorder. Oh, okay. Um, so I was struggling with a bit of bulimia and uh, which sort of created this, um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't able at the time to really integrate into life and move forward. Uh, my studies stalled and I couldn't really um, move forward on my own. And, uh, and that's where I met, uh, I met this woman who was the therapist who said that basically recommended me to go to this commune in India and said that, you know, that would be really great for you. Uh, and that's what I ended up doing. And that's really, that became a turning point in my life where I never really looked back. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about what you learned in those six months in India. And you say that was the first trip. So you'd been there several times, I'm guessing. But tell me about that first trip, yeah. that first six months. What did you learn? What Was it a spiritual thing or was it purely sexual or was there, there other uh, points to, yeah, to, to learn there? It's a spiritual commune. It was a spiritual ashram in India where people came from all around the world to to meditate and do different uh, group processes and programs all geared towards uh, personal development and healing. And uh, it was a very beautiful place to be for a young person also and uh, it was very heart-opening for me uh, to be in an environment where people uh, were really open to connect and friendly and, and truthful and all on the path of, of growing and learning and, and, and developing themselves. So it was a beautiful place to be. I made some really special friendships and uh, and started to started to break through some of my uh, um, you could call it inhibitions in a way. Um, it was more like some kind of energy blockages where I had been stuck. Um, and I started to open up, and it was became easier for me to connect with people, both men and women, and. Um, it definitely wasn't purely sexual, mm. but the sexuality was viewed as something natural, and that's where you know that that sort of fed into that you know what I already had somehow been given from my parents as well, um, but not only natural but also spiritual. So that's where you know I, I it really it was really at the right time somehow I'd been guided to that place and it turned out to be very, very influential years for me. And um, and later on, I moved on to live in a commune in, in Italy, which was also in alignment with the commune in India. And that's that really further developed then, you know, all the different things that I was interested in and, and, and working on. Well, Nitya Malin, how, how did they help you combat your bulimia? Uh, was that uh, how did that manifest itself? Was it because uh, were you not comfortable with your body, or you felt like uh, you you didn't look right, or or why why did you have the the need to? Well, I mean, bulimia. I'm not exactly sure how how medical that is and how it can be treated. But you treated yourself with meditation and other things, but what was the what was the problem in your life that that made you become bulimic that's a good question the way i look at it these days um it was a combination there was no one thing but it was really i think that the way of life the way i grew up 
you know, and that's probably similar in, in many parts of the world uh, where people weren't necessarily into personal growth or the inner life. So somehow I learned to, to shut down and I learned to keep my heart closed when I grew up I, I, to protect myself. Not saying that it was a particularly, you know, hostile place at all where I grew up, but somehow uh, there weren't the models or the culture to, to teach me or young people about how to, how to be open in our hearts and, and how to heal ourselves. But it was very much about protecting yourself and, and sort of force your way forward. And that, um, that resulted in that I repressed, I suppressed a lot of my natural energy. Um, so it's like, I felt like on, on, on an energetical level, I became a bit like a robot. It was all, I was all sort of protected. Like my, my inner world was somewhere deep within me, but there was this shell outside me that I couldn't connect or reach out. And that's what, what started to shift when I came in contact with these people in the commune in India and in Italy, where I, I learned to, to relax and to open and, and to, to come much more in touch with my, my heart and my body and accept myself. And from that, then the bulimia kind of lost its, uh, its role. It wasn't needed anymore, so it, it slowly dropped away. A lot of one-on-one -on -one training in India, or a lot of group therapy, or are you? And you say you met friends. Do you still uh, keep in touch with them today, or, or have, were they long-lasting? Some of friendships? those friends, yeah, I still keep in touch with some of those friends, even if just you know, little bit via social media. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, there was lots of different group processes, um, but I'd say it would be mainly the culture of of love and openness and. Um, self-responsibility in the way that, you know, the, the people were um, encouraged to, to look at ourselves and look at our own, ourselves in each challenge that, you know, it's, it's a lot in this world can be about sort of blaming others or, or uh, using others or uh, protecting ourselves. And this was all about really looking deeper and, and finding out what it is in us that's creating a result in the world and how can I grow this part in myself so that I can create different results in the outside world. And, uh, and those things all together, I feel, was, um, was the mix that helped me also to open up. Uh, I should mention here too mm -hmm. also that I fell in love for the first time really uh, in Italy and mm. that was then turned out to be the relationship with the man mm. with whom you know I had those experiences that's very much formed you know where I'm at and who I am today and uh, so all of those things together shifted that you know the, the stuckness uh, that I was in during my years of, of um, food addiction. Well, Nitya Mylin, you you mentioned that there was a lot of meditation. Was there any any medicine? You know, whenever I think of an ashram, I think of the the natural healing, and and they give you herbs and and different uh, natural things. But you know, was there medicine involved, or was it primarily meditation? No, no, there was no medicine in this in this commune. No, it was just healthy food. 
Good. <laughs> and good. herb teas, I suppose. Healthy food yeah. such as, uh, was it all vegetarian? Because I know that, uh, I guess they yes, mostly, it was vegetarian. Yeah, mostly yeah. people from that region are, are vegetarian. Uh, and, and do you still yeah. keep that practice today? Um, I'm mostly vegetarian, but not 100%. So I've gone through different phases throughout life. But um, since my years of food addiction, mm -hmm. um, I found a way I feel that is very balanced in regards to my food. I love healthy and fresh food, but I don't sort of uh, prohibit myself from also having other things because I felt that that was actually part of the trigger for if you can't have something, then after a while you kind of have to have that because <laughs> you just said, I can't have it. You know, it's like that success failure pendulum. So I learned to become more accepting of accepting all my own choices. And, and if I felt like something, I would have it. And because I allow myself to have it, I didn't need to have heaps of it. Oh, so I can the, have a piece of cake and yeah. enjoy it, but I don't have to have the whole cake. Yeah. Jim, Eileen, there's, there's no argument for me. I, I, I feel that, you know, that balance, you're right. It, it has to be balanced. And, and people that, that, that don't eat meat, there's, there's argument for, there's argument against. Uh, here you have this this animal that is taking grass and make it into and making it into protein just for you. So, you know, that there, there's, uh, there's argument for that as well, but I'm not here really to, to argue meat or no meat or anything, but just taking the journey of Nietzsche Mylin and how, how you became the person that you are right now. So you went from India uh, to Italy. What, what took you to Italy? Was it by suggestion or was it following somebody else? Uh, I met a couple of people who both were talking about this place in Italy. Mm -hmm. So um, I heard about it and um, I had gone back to live in Stockholm after uh, my time in India and somehow I couldn't integrate back into Stockholm. It just wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought... You know, I'm going to try this. I'm going to go to this place in, in Italy and just see if that's going to work out for me. And it's funny because it was like pre-internet. I think I sent them like a letter or something like by mail. And I never got an answer. <laughs> what, what's that, that Grandma? Like, what's I, that? I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, no, I'm just going to go anyway. So I just went and arrived to that commune and said, hi, can I work here? And they were like, oh, we don't really, you know, you need to apply and everything. So I just started working anyway, you mm. know. And when they saw that I was working anyway, then obviously I was part of the place. So that's how, you know, I got in there and ended up staying for four years. All right. And yeah, it's very, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's one way to get a job is to just go and start working. <laughs> so the, what was the difference between the two different ashrams? The, the Indian ashram where, you know, with movies and film and reading books, I feel like that's the motherland, the place. But then you go to an ashram that's more of a satellite uh, in Italy. You know, Italy has its own uh, love, and I mean its own uh, attributes and and uh, things that that would yeah, that would draw that. you there. Uh, but having an ashram in Italy, and what part of Italy was it? Closer to Rome or north, south? Uh, Tuscany. Tuscany. All right. Tuscany. Seen close that movie? To, heard of that movie? Tuscany's the place to be. <laughs> what was your? Now you were in an ashram in the middle of of Tuscany. Uh, what was the difference between the, how the Indian one and how the Italian 
Ash Rams were run, or were they the same, pretty much? Um, well, they were all, both based on the teachings from the same Indian uh, wise teacher. Um, so there was lots of similarities, but like you say, very different worlds, India compared to Italy, and Italy has its own culture that very much influenced the way we live there. Um, very beautiful. I mean, the, the Tuscan countryside uh, as a young, you know, early 20s something, uh, those were incredible years for me and uh, beautiful memories. Um, the daily life was based also on, on meditations and there was group processes where uh, people would come from around the country or around the world even to participate in a much smaller place, you know, a small place in the country. So compared to the commune in India, you know, um, definitely much smaller. Um, but otherwise, lots of, yeah, lots of similarities and, and lots of people would be traveling from India to Italy and, you know, back again. So, you know, we had lots of things in common. Everybody, most people had been to India or were going there. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> so, well, all right. Uh, which one was more fun? Which one was more fun? <laughs> or was that uh, even fair? <laughs> fair? You can't compare. They're both really, really fun in different ways. Yeah. I get it. But hey, but yeah. the one in Italy, you you found a, a gentleman to uh, to share some some love and life with, and how did that turn out? That's right. Uh, we ended up staying together for three years. Hmm. That was. Um, uh, yeah, very, very important years. And uh, I learned, yeah, I learned a lot that's really stayed with me ever since. Well, good. That and, sounds like um, some, some yeah. years of growth uh, spiritually and, and as a person. And, you know, what what did you get from him? And, and did you leave amicably, I'm hoping? And, you know, where did you go from there? Yeah, good question. So uh, it was a very deep love relationship and also in hindsight uh, probably a bit codependent. You know, I was young after all. He was 15 years older than me. Mm. And um, there was some really important, you know, learning and sharing that, you know, that happened between us and uh, that had to end at some point. Really, you know, I, I, I couldn't have stayed in that relationship for longer because I had to go on and learn different lessons for myself. There's no doubt about that. But uh, especially, I would say, in regards to sexuality, that's where I feel that I, I received some kind of transmission through this man, which has really, um, you know, affected my whole life since. So he was, he was a tantric yogi. Oh, my. So what's that? Well, look, yeah, I'm kind of maybe losing that, using that term a bit loosely. So, you know, he had been practicing yoga, had, a, a, you know, a yogi teacher who's, you know, that's not just about doing yoga postures, but it's about a, a way of living um, that's also a spiritual practice. And, um, and he had, I don't actually know today where he had learned his, his lovemaking um from, but I'm thinking that it was probably partly a, a gift that somehow, you know, something that came natural to him. And there are men for whom this comes more natural or who somehow managed to figure it out on their own. 
but definitely meditation is a big part of being able to approach lovemaking that way. Well, uh, that he did, yeah. And Nitya, all, all the alpha males out there listening are saying, "Yeah, me. I'm, I'm the one. I can, I can do it all. I can make a, I can please a woman." <laughs> I know. Yeah. Look, it's um, that's that's possible that they can, but it's also <laughs> possible that they influenced by a lot of the mainstream info that's all about doing sex and the sexual act and what you do and where you touch the woman and which position you use and, and all the tricks. And that, to me, is is not the secret to deep um, ecstatic lovemaking um, because it's not what you're doing always that the recipe, but it's who you are when you're doing it and how you're doing it. And that's where the deeper work comes in. You know, how able is this man to actually be still and be present within himself. Oh. How deeply can he meet the woman's gaze and hold the space for her? And you're um, saying how I oh. yeah. You're saying how, that uh, they have to be in touch with themselves before they can please anyone else. Uh, exactly, to. because if you go to touch a woman, but if you're scattered inside, you, you, you kind of your your thoughts are wandering in all directions. You can't look her straight in the eye. Your your energy is subtly trembling, for instance, or you're all in your head thinking about how to give her, you know, one orgasm or more. Then you're not holding the space that she needs to be able to surrender on a deep subconscious level. But she can't really trust the man if she can't feel that he actually can hold the space for her. And this is something that we are not trained, you know, nobody's teaching men or women this stuff really, you know, but it's all about do this, do that, touch her, he touch her there, he's sexy like this. And that all those things can be great, but not until you actually have those deeper foundations in place. And when you have those deeper foundations, all those surface things, they come naturally. It's not something you really have to think of. So that's the way I see that the world has it a lot upside down or the way around where they focus on the, you know, all those details. But actually, we have a lot to gain from starting from where it starts within ourselves. <laughs> Nietzsche, Mylene, there was a, a joke that I heard years ago. Uh, why do uh, kids take such education in college to learn what they've been doing wrong the last five years? <laughs> you're, you're teaching them properly. I don't know what the sex education in college is about either it's probably very sort of uh, you know medical or you know clinical isn't it oh it's very clinical this, <laughs> this is a condom this is a penis sort right of right thing. no yeah. this is a banana <laughs> uh, this is exactly you're right I, it, why am um, I doing that to a banana <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. yes, all right. So you get out of Italy, and, you know. After I'm guessing, after that relationship, where did you go from there? And, and you spent your 20s in a very interesting way. And I tell people, uh, I've told people constantly. Well, before on this podcast, is in your 20s, do everything. Uh, you know, experience everything because you're still made of rubber. And and this is the time to to get your experiences. And it looks like your twenties are spent uh, getting those life experiences that have led you to here. So, what did you do when you got out of Italy? Uh, that's when I came to Australia. How did and, that happen? Um, uh, yeah, that happened. So the relationship with the Italian man ended, 
and I stayed for another year in the commune. Uh, that was also the year that my dad back in Sweden died. Oh. So it was a bit of a turning point and I started to feel that, mm, you know, maybe there's something else for me. And then I met a couple of people that told me about Byron Bay in Australia and how beautiful this place was. And I decided to take the trip and find out and ended up staying. Byron Bay, New South Wales. That's where you're at now. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. So uh, what year was was this when you got to Byron Bay? And what was the first 95. thing you did? 95. And you've been there ever yeah. since. What? How did you uh, yeah. put your stakes in? And, and what did you first start doing uh, to become a, a member of society in Byron Bay? Oh, yeah. Look, uh, first of all, it was it was sort of a challenge for me to start living a normal, well, normal is not the right word, but, you know, living in society because I lived in the commune, you know, for years. Right. So that you actually had to pick up the phone and call people was like really <laughs> weird because I was used to that everybody was always there, breakfast, lunch and dinner, you know. Yeah. So that was, you know, a bit of a shell shock and, um, and, uh, you know, also a bubble, another type of bubble in a way here, you know, and they call it the rainbow region where where I live, which is very much alternative community, also very uh, uh, multicultural, you know, people from all around the world here, um, um, all sorts of alternative and spiritual practices you can imagine around here. So in that sense, that part was an easy transition for me. And... Um, what I started doing, really, I think house cleaning, you know, yeah. that's pretty much what I started doing because I'd been doing similar jobs in the commune in, in Italy too where everybody sort of helps out and, you know, keeps the place running. Um, so I did that and, and, and didn't really have, you know, I didn't have very much ambitions to do anything big with my life because I didn't see that as important it was more like kind of living for the moment so i think uh there was a lot of parties and you talking like uh rainforest bush doofs you know and uh, <laughs> okay uh, what's hanging that? out with friends um you know the rave scene kind of probably started around in this area back then and there were only you know these days they do huge you know festivals but that was before the festival days so there was only tiny parties up in the rainforest that uh you know, the, the party organizers would set up without, you know, advertising because you have to keep it sort of a bit quiet. So you would find out uh, on the same evening, uh, you know, like the directions to go there and, and the trip to try to find the place was just as much part of the adventure as finding the party if you found it and didn't get lost somewhere in the rainforest on the way there, <laughs> you know. So those were very um, exciting days for, you know, I was still in my 20s. And um, hanging out with my boyfriend at the time and uh, with friends. So, um, yeah, I took it very much easy in those days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. A rainforest rave sounds good to me. Uh, I've been a DJ since uh, 86. So, yeah, I, 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 I'd yeah, be up for well, it. <laughs> yeah, you would enjoy it. <laughs> All right. So after your <laughs> raving days, uh, you know, when did you you, you say, well, let, let's buckle in and and find a, a job that's worthwhile and and what what did that job become? Um, I I started uh, developing some other sort of talents of mine, which we were in the 
um, artistic and um, gardening. I started creating um, uh, permacultural landscape uh, gardening designs and and mosaic, a bit of sculpture. And then I became a mum. I had three oh. kids in three years. How many? And uh, three kids in three years. Hey, Mazel Tov. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and uh, so, and you know, living with their dad together, um, you know, on, on acreage and, and doing all of that really took me a whole heap of years, you know. And now my kids are much bigger. And uh, it's in the last five or six years that I, I trained as a life coach and I decided to to bring all my experiences uh, from all the way back then and, and put it into something that could really help the men that I saw were not getting the right information to help them. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm definitely feeling a, feeling a gap um, in this world. Absolutely, and you, you're taking some of the teachings that you had in Italy and and uh, and India before that, and even the teachings from Ra- your mom when she was giving you that information as a young lass. <laughs> so uh, yeah, all of, all of it together, all of it together, and uh, another thing I want to mention actually that's been really important for the work that I developed is mm-hmm. that I've uh, I'm a dancer, ah. um, and not not a professional dancer. Uh, but dance has been really my my main practice for the last uh, more than ten years, and it's through this free movement. Um, it's mainly five rhythms. I don't know if you heard of that, but it's a a free dance uh, practice that was developed by Gabriel Ross, um, and it's now existing in every city in the world. Why really. do I know that name? Uh, so it, wasn't she the volley- volleyball player? Is that what you're talking about? No, she's not a volleyball player. Oh, that's Gabrielle Reese. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Gabrielle Roth. She um she created this this dance practice called Five Rhythms. That's really like a a, a spiritual movement, self development practice where we discover ourselves and the world through free movement, and um, and that has been really a very very important part in in how I. I continued my own learning through understanding my own body and energy in then understanding other people's bodies and their energy that is very much interlinked with our, you know, our sexuality and how to approach and resolve these challenges that then I've, you know, specialized in, in working with. So uh, uh, in, in, in some form, free movement is, is always going to be part of what I, you know, help my clients connect with for themselves. Now, now that you have uh, a, a permanent relationship, you're, are you married to this man with your children there? No, we're okay. actually not together anymore. Oh, no, but okay. he does live in the area. Yeah, he I was going to so my kids yeah. in between our homes. I yeah. was going to ask if he got involved in some of this, but if he's out of the out of the picture, then I guess you're you're still free to do as you please and helping people is what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, I am. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. Uh, so, uh, so you're you're not you're completely uninvolved right now with with anyone in your own personal relationships, and but you're helping others. Is that what's happening now? 
Yes, I am currently single. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe this will be a, a dating show for you. Well, <laughs> don't 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 fill up her <laughs> DMs, so you dirty, men. dirty boys. I, <laughs> I, I talk to so many men, so yes. I feel like you know I'm very enriched by connecting with men through my work all the time. You know. Uh, and in saying that, that does not replace, uh, you know, a personal intimate relationship. So that's definitely on the cards for me. But I had, you know, I had to do some of my own deeper work because, right. you know, like, yeah, maybe sexuality is something that's come very natural for me. But other parts of relating hasn't necessarily like, you know, I got my own uh, journey of, of growth and healing in regards to, uh, you know, other aspects aspects of relating in regards to my own heart where I had to to unlearn and, and relearn some patterns that weren't working for me so you know I've, I've needed a big break and uh, in saying that I think it's time you know it's time I'm getting there now yeah. so thank you you're open to a relationship <laughs> uh, yeah. in watching oh, yeah. or in listening to some of your videos i i do know that you, you you did mention that you have a lot of of men that ask you questions some of them a little inappropriate uh, for for my taste but uh certainly you're you're open to all questions from from all people and and all you know men in particular helping helping them to understand women a little bit better in their sexuality and i'm glad that's a great service that you're offering um so uh you know and and in training uh, what what training and i guess it's been since 2015 if i'm reading your bio correctly that you've really settled into doing this as as your job if i'm correct yeah. in, in that and what what training yeah. did you have uh formally uh, besides the the being in the ashram or was that the training that you felt this i, I could take this and and turn it into a career uh, it was, uh, I knew that I wanted to study something to complement, you know, my, you know, years of, of personal experience. So I was looking at perhaps doing, a, you know, a counseling training and it came across life coaching and Australia has actually one of the best coaching institutes in the world, TCI in Melbourne. So I'm very lucky I came across them and uh, uh, their entire Coaching training is also based on, on NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, they've developed their own form that's called metadynamics. So that's really helped me to create the framework where I can also help people to work with the, the, the mental and the mindset aspects of change, which is just as important as what we do with the body. So like that, I feel like I'm combining you know, the mindset with body and there we have like the, the two worlds meeting that you can't just take one but you actually do need both to make a whole i think it's a beautiful service uh, that you're doing you're uh, nitya mylin um in addition to the videos do you do any one-on-one -on -one or, or any uh, group therapy in byron bay uh, out there anywhere Okay, so yeah, so I don't do groups. No. I have done it a little bit, but what I found with my specific niche is that uh, it's not really suited where they at with groups. So these men don't necessarily want to get into group with others face-to-face uh, -face or even online or social media where they, you know, it's too easy to be identified, you know, and they often like to stay private because you know, we've mentioned, you know, the old issues of, um, taboo around this, you know, subject. 
So uh, I'm working one-on-one, exclusively one-on-one with my clients, and I take them through a 10-week program mm. um, that we, you know, they have uh, modules to go through of, of practice at home for themselves in their own privacy. And then we meet once a week for, you know, a video call when we work on whatever is, you know, the specific challenge for them, which then is different for everybody. Yeah, with this internet, you can do it all over the world. I can see it. I, I don't think I've ever heard yeah. of, a, of, a, of a PE or an ED anonymous. So, uh, yes, you're, you've really opened my eyes on, uh, yes, I, I don't think there will be uh, much call for group therapy in those respects. But one-on-one where you could go online and, and have a video chat and, and help them, you know, through their their issues uh, if you call them problems or not, but uh, through their issues. Uh, so are you, uh, the the Institute, I was looking a little bit about that. Um, are, are, does that give you like some kind of a medical license as well or, or more of a therapeutic no, license? No, good question. So yeah, no, I don't have any medical qualification at mm-hmm. all. So, so, you know, with my clients, most often I'll suggest that, you know, or, or check that they've actually seen a doctor before they, Mm-hmm. They, you know, start working with me so that at least, you know, that's covered because I can't give any medical advice, of course. So, um, yeah, so life coaching is, you know, we, we work with the mindset and with the emotions. And uh, and uh, I think currently coaching is an unregulated uh, industry. Anybody really can call themselves a coach regardless of if they've done a training or not. So, in that way, I feel fortunate to have trained with TCI because they're really ahead of a lot of the others in that field. Yeah, you've taken the time, Nitya Mylin, to train with a, an accredited association. And when you say a, a 13-week program, that means that you've uh, actually taken the time to structure something. And, and, and I guess it could be molded to, to people individually. And, and a lot of times in therapy, all you need is somebody to talk to, somebody to, to a sounding board. And Nitya Mylin, you're going to be that sounding board. You're, you're offering that as a service. And that, that's perfect. I mean, do you feel, do you feel in since 2015 that you have had some success stories uh, some people that have come back with positive feedback how do you feel about you know the the clients that you've had uh yeah look yeah that's amazing i mean look that's what we all work for no to to actually see and hear about the results in their lives you know that's that's really um you know, the reward for me to know that, you know, something's really shifted and, you know, that these guys can approach sexuality from a very different place, you know, and and really uh, uh, find the confidence, you know, and the ability to trust themselves and to, to be able to then grow from there in their own way. So, you know, a lot of the results are also a bit delayed, um, this for my clients because some of them are not even in a relationship while they work with me and in saying that i've designed the program so they can do everything by themselves amazingly uh but then you know the proof is a bit in the pudding you know then you've got to go out and practice it in life and uh, and that's where you know i very much try to keep in contact with them to find out what happens further down the track and and it's wonderful to hear, you know, about how people, somebody who's already lived half their life and felt that they were stuck in a certain way and, and then be able to shift that and have very different um, and much more fulfilling experiences. 
Nitya Mylene, I can see people, uh, men, wanting to come to you, uh, particularly when they're by themselves, because they're looking for love. They're looking how, to to find out how to how to please uh, their prospective uh, lovers and and companions. And it, it's so amazing. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and and uh, we're speaking uh, about love and and how to uh, please your your partners. Uh, how, how do you celebrate Valentine's Day in your neck of the woods, or, or I guess in some in some cases they call it uh, Independence? I mean, uh, wait, what is it? Uh, Singles Awareness Day. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, right. Well, I'm I'm celebrating by talking to you because, as you know, it's already morning here. It's already Friday the 14th where hey. I am. So, um, <laughs> so very nice start of Valentine's Day, and um, it's going to be a great day. Um, I will tell my kids I love them. I will write a, a really good post for social media. And um, I don't know what else I'll do, but it'll be something good. It's Friday after all. And, um, uh, yeah, so, um, um, yeah, was that a question there that I missed? Or? I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's St. <laughs> Saint Valentine's Day, so it must be some kind of a Catholic Happy holiday. Happy Valentine's to everyone, yeah, <laughs> wherever they are. You know, for me, it's really so much about, um, you know, giving it to ourselves so that we can, you know, share from that place of, of fullness from within. So for me, Valentine's for myself is actually really beautiful because it's the time to really, you know, uh, connect with that love within me so that I can share that to others. Nice. And, um, yeah, so I'll definitely celebrate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was uh, looking at your, your Facebook, and I, I did send you a friend request uh, on your Facebook, and I saw that there, there was oh, a okay. I'll have a look. There was a recent uh, post that you made uh, about you 20 years ago, and, and very uh, amazing story that, you, that, that came from that, that your experience, and it, it, well, as a dancer. <laughs> and you can expound on yeah, that if you want or, or or not. Yeah, it was the social media hit that post. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Uh, so, I mean, uh, speaking of social media, where can the people get a hold of you and find you and, and find out more about Nietzsche Mylene Langstrom? Yes. Uh, well, that's, that is my profile name on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, Nietzsche Mylene Langstrom. I don't have a page. I used to have one, but I closed it because with my niche, there's not much you can do uh, with the Facebook page anyway because uh, the topic of sex is, is quite heavily censored by Facebook. So uh, I feel I can reach most people just from my personal page. So I'd use that a bit as a business profile instead mm-hmm. uh, just for organic posting. Uh, so um, And then um, on Instagram, I'm Tantric Frequency. And um, that's my social media on YouTube, also Nita Manin Langstrom. And um, my website at the moment is uh, being upgraded. It's going to be amazing in the next month, really. I've got a really amazing guy working on it for me. Uh, and that's um, authenticitycoaching.com.au. Uh, so that's my business name that um, I started out with and kept. And uh, I got an email there as well, Nita at authenticitycoaching.com.au. So um, that's probably the best place to get in touch with me. Well, good. Um, I'm going to put all those links on the show notes to make sure that people know how to get a hold of you and and learn more about you. Uh, Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It's been such a pleasure 
chatting with you. I knew it was going to be an interesting conversation, uh, given the, the 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 field that you're in. And, and I I think my listeners have gotten a little idea of who you are, and if, if they do need help in certain areas, and everyone needs a little help, and and they're you know for the most part looking for love and. And, uh, and, and a big part of that love is, is uh, you know, the sexual gratification, the, the lovemaking. And you're going to, uh, to assist in that uh, online and, and even in person if they happen to be in the Byron Bay area. But, I mean, are there a lot of clients that, that, you're, that are available to you uh, face-to-face or is it mostly online? It's mostly online, but I do have, you know, local clients now and then mm. that come to see me, you know, in my studio. So if that's a possibility or some even fly up like, you know, from Sydney, our people come up for the day for some of the practices are good to do face to face. But uh, in saying that, I'm, you know, definitely working towards doing everything really well via video call. So because, um, uh, yeah, that's the way it works these days. Hey, and, you, uh, it's a good yeah, thing that, thank you so much. No, it's a good thing that you thank have you a so shingle much. hung yeah. up there in, in Byron Bay. I mean, that's not the, the, the worst place in the world to go. From all the pictures that you, that I've seen of you on the beach, uh, I, I think I just want to go there on vacation and just go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is amazing. It's, we really live in paradise here. So, I believe Yeah, it. very spoiled. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for having me, you know, yeah. thank you so much for finding me and the opportunity to participate in your great show. Yeah, give some last yeah. words for the people. I give them to, to you, uh, Nitya Mylin Langstrom. Oh, thank you. Yeah, look, my, my words for the people would be really, um, you know, to when it comes to sexuality and connecting intimately for a man with a woman, um, you know, to come back to yourself first. So before you reach out, come back to yourself and connect with yourself. And that's simplest through the breath to to really take a moment to slow our breath down and bring it really down into the belly and feel the body and really connect with yourself. You can even like give yourself a bit of a hug or something cheesy like that, you know. It actually changes, you know, the, the chemistry of the body instantly when we do. And from that place, it's so much easier for us to then connect with another person and and generally to slow it down, to really slow everything down. Whatever you do, really make it four times slower. And that makes it a lot easier to feel more, to feel more in depth and, and connect. And uh, like, you know, you know we can have... Um, you know, you can have sex in any way, in a way, but you can only have intimacy by actually really uh, connecting. And to connect, we really need to, to open up that shell and dare to be vulnerable with each other. And that needs to start with ourselves first. So, yeah, that would be my word of wisdom for the day. <laughs> Well, there you have it, party people. I knew it was going to be good. Nietzsche Mylin Langstrom. She's out there. She's got the training, and she's out there to help the men and their sexuality and their their sexual uh, sexual. Um, well, I don't even want to say problems. Their their issues. Their their social hangups. Their, you know, if you're having some doubts, give a talk to Nietzsche. And uh, maybe you, she'll be able to squelch your doubts a little bit. Uh, she's got a program that, that'll help you out, a 13-week program. And, and I'm sure it can be tailored to, to what you're going through. So if you're single, if you're in a relationship, 
I, I think you could do a whole lot worse than to talk to Nietzsche Mylin Langstrom. I've gotten a lot of insight from her in this uh, in the hour that we've chatted, and she's got the uh, she's got the credentials to back her up uh, between going to this uh, uh, institute and even before that in India at the ashram and spending months at, at the ashram in in Italy as well, and and learning her about herself. And she even mentioned it through the podcast that you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of somebody else. So she's going to get you straight, get you in line, and get you uh, ready to please someone else. So there you go. Thank you so much, Nietzsche Mylin Langstrom, for being on the program, What Makes You Famous. If you'd like to tell your story, yeah, I'm talking to you, you, the listener. If you'd like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at radiowhat.com. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan. Email info at radiowhat.com. What Makes You Famous podcast is a production of Keys Dan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. Radio What, the music you want with some words to live by. Envy is a waste of time. You already have all you need. A public service message from RadioWhat.com. The music you want. Be on Radio What. Call 501-470-6386. Say your name, where you're from, and you're listening to What? The music you want is on RadioWhat.com. <laughs>